today in the week in IndyCar with our most popular and frequent guest, that being Michael, Managing Director of Chip Ganassi Racing. Well, we got your questions and we got a lot of them and they're really good. And hey, we have a season finale this weekend, Mike. Have you heard anything about that? Uh, <laughs> it's been drilled into me, Marshall. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's say uh, thanks to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers and TorontoMotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA for sure. And as usual, tons of great questions, Mike. I know that we actually rarely, uh, we did something we rarely do, which is schedule this call. Normally it's freewheeled a little bit, but we're scheduling it because you got a lot to do because you and that Scott Dixon guy in the number nine PNC Bank Honda, you're going to go and try and win sixth championship for him. I don't even remember what the number would be for Chip Ganassi Racing and uh, see if you can stave off the advances of one Joseph Newgarden in his Team Penske entry there. So why don't we make use of this time and dive right in. There are some rumors on the internet, Mike. Might have even had some idiot who shares my name write about something suggesting that there could be a change in driving talent in the number 10 NTT data Honda for next season. Had a number of questions from folks on this asking, is this the car Jimmy Johnson's going to slide into? Hey, Oliver Askew is going to be a free agent. We know you're keen on him. No, you're not too much on talking about the future while it hasn't been formally announced but is there anything you can share here since uh, folks are curious? Uh, well, I've probably read the same story that everyone else has uh, read uh, about the present driver in the 10 car. I think he's enormously talented and uh, young, young talent, first of all, to directly uh, address your question, is something that's really important for, for our sport going forward. Uh, I think they need uh, a place t- t- to drive and they need a place to uh, uh, establish uh, themselves going forward. So uh, I know that we'll make a comment about uh, the Felix program or the 10 car program probably is a better way to say that um, in a few days. And let's just hold it at that. A couple other questions as well, more general than specific, Mike. Um, from folks wondering, what are you thinking? Is there a specific thought from the team about next year in terms of car count? Uh, three that you're at right now, is it moving to four? Are those things that you guys have uh, formally decided upon yet, or is that still a bit open? Well, we're really excited about uh, wanting or planning to continue in the IndyCar series, first of all. So if there's any question about that, let's try to put that to rest. Um, uh, we presently run three cars. If we're lucky enough to be able to expand to more than three, it will be for the right reasons. Um, and uh, we've purposely chosen to work this week on the job at hand, which is really um, multi-purposed. Number one, uh, we're trying to win a championship with Scott Dixon, which would be terrific. And we're trying really, really hard for the eight car and the 10 car to climb up the, uh, the points ladder also at St. Pete. That's equally important to us because that's a measure of how hard our team works collectively for the entire season. So that's been the focus in the building uh, since we left uh, Indianapolis, the road track. 
uh, solely that. And so we'll concentrate on that. And uh, um, any announcements that come or are forthcoming will come as they come. And uh, uh, just I, I just would just say stay tuned for that. Are we going to hear about Mike Hull? Longtime Formula Ford racer returning to the cockpit. <laughs> that's the that's the press release I want to read. Hall returns, takes the well, ten car. Who knows? As, I mean, as all ex race drivers uh, do, they they get faster as they get older. Uh, <laughs> Ricky Davis, maybe maybe we need to put Ricky uh, yeah, Davis in that seat. Know, Ricky Ricky is a terrific guy, and he's now in the Arizona Motorsports Hall of Fame, or Sprint Car Hall of Fame, I think it is. Uh, and deservedly so. Um, I I would love to uh, I would love to do that again, uh, but I need to concentrate on my day job at the moment. Well, I hear you. I think I got an idea, though. I like the idea of all of the uh, former full time racers at Ganassi. Yourself, Chip, we can well, get him back in the car. Ricky, Chris Simmons, Blair Julian, I mean, uh, Michael Cannon. You know, we're just going to fill rotate uh, team talent through that car. All right, that's a bad I, idea, but I still like yeah, it. Yeah, I had a guy call me about a month, maybe two months ago now, and he said, hey, he said, uh, one of those Formula Fords you used to race is actually for sale. You should buy it and put it back together. This was a guy from Southern California. And come back and race with us. I said, who's us? And he said, oh, all of us are now racing against each, each other that raced in the 70s in the same cars. Huh. I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, you know, we race six, seven, eight times a year, and uh, it's a great time. I said, yeah, that, that's terrific. And uh, he said, but I need to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, well, I found out that the same people like the same people and the same people – the same people dislike the same people that that <laughs> was what in common in the 70s so he said you'd better be ready for that i said okay fine uh so we'll see what happens oh how funny is that let's see <laughs> uh yeah i actually had a mutual friend send me a photo i think of this of that exact car you're mentioning which uh needed uh, a lot of love to get back in shape yeah. Uh, let's see. Why don't we go with our pal it's been Vincent? A few years. I know. I, I want to find my old uh, Tiger Formula Ford and see. Well, I, didn't, yeah. I couldn't fit in it sideways, maybe. But um, dreams of old. Let's go to our pal Vincent seventeen oh one. Says I know Scott Dixon is, Dixon is the Ice Man, Mike, but Saint Pete and him seem to have maybe some more unpleasant memories and good ones. Is there any extra talking up or motivation you or the team have given him this week? I'll just add to that, Vincent. I know that's uh, a general feeling, but if you go back and look at Dixie's results at St. Pete over the last decade or so, they're actually more good than bad. But maybe thoughts in general, Mike, about how do you frame up, coach up, uh, get the team ready to go and uh, complete the season here, hopefully in a positive fashion, or does the team even need that with all the experience they have? Um, well, I appreciate Vincent's question, first of all, and I know Vincent a, is a big IndyCar fan and he climbs the fence at Sebring because that's where he lives. The, uh, uh, we don't need motivation, Vincent. <laughs> We're plenty motivated. Um, and yes, historically, if someone told you that you could have Dixon's average 
at St. Petersburg for finishes over the last few years, you'd take it and never go back to the racetrack. Uh, the one thing that has eluded him for a long, long time is winning at St. Pete. Um, so sooner or later, that'll fall his way. If it's this year, that would be fantastic. Uh, that would take care of all the, all the mathematicians that will probably be hovering around uh, the racetrack uh, to tell us what we should and shouldn't do. Uh, uh, but, uh, I think the job at hand is no different than any other weekend, although the gravitation is much greater. There's no question about that. And, 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 you know, the, the baseball answer is, yeah, we're just working on the process, but the real answer is we're working on the, uh, on the process with, with a big prize in mind. Um, so Vincent will work on that. I hope to get to see you at some point, uh, uh, when we're in St. Pete or when we're testing again at Seabury. Vincent's one of those diehards that just propels the sport forward. So thankful for him and his family. Let's see. Rob Ball says, Mike, how much of your notes and prep work that you put into for the original St. Pete race in March <laughs> will remain relevant for this weekend? Well, it's the first street race we've done all year. Uh, and everybody, because of the weather, most of us are resigned to the fact that if we don't get to Barber or Laguna Seca uh, or Coda or some of the other racetracks where the weather is somewhat okay in the late fall, even mid-Ohio or Road America, we don't get there at all. So we exclusively or most likely test at Sebring. So most anybody on the IndyCar grid at St. Pete could set the lap record at uh, the short course at Sebring with all the setup information they have from there. So I suspect Chip Ganassi included will take most of that information and carry it forward uh, for St. Pete. So is it going to be much different than how we would have run? Probably not. The weather will be similar to what it was like uh, as warm, if not warmer. Um, so that's probably not a factor. Uh, there's a slight chance of rain this time of the year, every day in Florida. So we'll see what happens with that. And, uh, we're looking forward to street racing. Such a bizarre concept, Mike, of a street (laughs) race being the season finale and it being the first street race of the year. I haven't exactly gone back and done a full forensic historic dive, but I have to believe this is the first time we've actually closed. Well, I don't on know. A... I think maybe surfers, but I can't remember if surfers was the last race at some point And we came back to the States or not in the cart days. I don't recall. Well, I'm just referring it to being the, f- the year for yeah. a while. I'm yeah. just referring to it being the first street race of the year. Uh, also oh, doubling see, yeah. as the season finale, just yeah. from a <clears throat> yeah. setup uh, standpoint and, and kind of having a bit of a feel for that. So that's going to be a challenge for sure. Uh, let's see. Jamine Tuttle. Love this one. Mike, curious how many team members still remain from Dixon's first championship season with you. Uh, and also curious to know what was that 2008 to 2011 run of four in a row? What was it like as a team? And how do you keep people continually performing at that level? Well, I'd have to go back and look at the pictures. Um, in terms of the people who were actually on that car, a good portion of them are still with the team to answer the question, uh, just in different roles. Um, and, 
and some by the team, meaning they, they've, they've uh, both gone sports car racing as well as indie car racing uh, and in different roles. Uh, we promote from within, so a lot of them have been promoted up, hopefully upward, uh, <laughs> upward mobility on, on the higher program. Uh, um, so a good portion of them, uh, I don't recall how many, but we've lost very few. Had a fun story that Matt Swan told me about uh, leaving at the end of last year. Uh, his wife had taken a new job in Ohio. Uh, he, she had obviously supported his career for a long time, so it was time for him to bid farewell to Chip Ganassi Racing after 19 years and the 20 year anniversary is a bit of a tradition around mm-hmm. there of uh, a chip giving folks a, a nice gold Rolex watch. So Swanee thinking, well, look, this is what I need to do for the family standpoint uh, left uh, and then was told, hey, you might need to come to the uh, Christmas party. And so he told me I had to ask Mike Shank for a day off my first week. <laughs> At work there in Ohio, he's like, oh, yeah, this is this is exactly the sentiment I want to give my new boss. But uh, he was just moved by the fact that although he had moved on after 19 years, uh, the team still wanted to uh, recognize him. And uh, Chip did give him uh, that nice watch. So I just thought a lot of that because, you know, loyalty is a huge thing. Could be taken that leaving after 19 years was disloyal, but instead there was just a great understanding that now this is uh, the move he needed to make for family. And uh, we still want to uh, recognize that crazy uh, Napa born insane person that y'all held on to for far too long. So uh, funny, funny, funny. Let's uh... Well, I think Matt, Matt represents uh, a lot of us that work at Chip Ganassi racing. And I'm sure in his heart, he still feels in a way like he works for Chip Ganassi racing. Although he's working for a terrific person now based on his move to Ohio. And uh, any time that an owner wants to give you a GMT uh, for working 20 years for a company. Amen to that. Uh, let's go to you got Nick Reed and uh, Jaime Macias. A couple of interesting questions here. Uh, first of all, Nick asks, hi, Mike. What is the biggest attribute Scott Dixon brings to the team? Um, also, do you think he has a particular key to consistent success over many years? Um, Nick, that's a good question. Uh, I'll try to take that question maybe in reverse. Um, I, I think his, his ability to be able to, uh, start all over every day. We certainly Marshall talked about that before, but the reality is, is he, he takes nothing for granted from what just happened. Uh, he wants to basically, I guess you could say in a simple way, he wants to go back to basics when you start every day anew. He wants to make sure that 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 we as a team have covered everything that he's going to need as a driver. And uh, he has no preconceived notion when he comes to work. Uh, and he doesn't he just doesn't take anything for granted. Um, in terms of uh, uh, what he what he's what he does, uh, what his M.O. is. It's all about supporting the people that work around him with the same degree of support that he expects. That includes his teammates, the partners, uh, the people that go over the wall, um, 
the people in the engineering group, the people in the business side of our business, the people on the sponsor relations side. He's fully supportive of the process and has been for a long time. Um, and uh, um, I wish he was bionic. Mm. <laughs> um, he's not. Uh, but uh, he continues to learn. Um, and as long as people continue to learn, uh, their asset value increases. You know what I think of on that theme of coming in every day with a, a fresh <clears throat> mindset? I think of Dixie as a quarterback. And you hear about, if you're watching whatever NFL game, that if a quarterback throws an interception, they need to have an incredibly short memory. Don't let it linger. Don't let that beat you up and carry over into the next offensive set because it's just going to be a downhill spiral. So the ability, when things are not going according to plan, it's not as if you forget them, but instead of that becoming a weight around his neck and adding to that weight and dragging himself down mentally, his ability, as you mentioned, to have that Groundhog's Day type approach, hit the reset, and start fresh, start with proper motivation, always looking to improve, but uh, that's, you can see some drivers every year, Mike, where things don't go according to plan, and by the third or fourth race, mentally, they've checked out. And they might have some positives that come in, hey, we got a podium, or you know, there was a little bit of sunlight that came in, but they adopt this dark cloud mentality that lingers over the rest of the season, uh, Scott's ability to not fall prey to that, um, I'd say definitely, as you mentioned, one of the unique aspects about his enduring success. I th yeah, I think the definition of, of teamwork and teammates in a team environment is the confidence in each other to learn from each other by what just happened. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that could have either a positive or a negative implication. If it has a negative one, then you have enough confidence in your teammates to know that it won't happen again. It's, if it's a positive one, you know that that creates positive reinforcement to catapult yourself to the next level. And, uh, Everyone on the team needs to have that, that defined culture if going forward you're going to be successful to create the, the, uh, the successes created by then uh, the motivating factor of each, each other uh, fully confident that you can support each other in the worst of times. Because when the best of times come, boom, it's big. And uh, that, that's really the key to the whole thing. Amen to that yet again. Jaime has a really interesting, uh, really interesting observation. He says 35 of Dixon's 15 car wins are between June and August, the hottest months of the season. Does hot wet, does hot weather suit his driving style? And he says, usually his numbers are not great at the beginning of the season, but, uh, this one started in June and he won three in a row. He says, <laughs> and now we are having the cooler end of the season, um, most races in the north, uh, late September and the beginning of October. Now it's cooling down and it appears like he might be struggling a little bit. So have we debunked the ice man theory? Is he actually the, uh, the heat man is, is that how we need to look at him? It's an interesting thing. Have you ever heard of 
such parallels, Mike, of like, wow, uh, you seem to win a lot at this time of year or in these particular conditions? Uh, we really hadn't thought too much about that. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, if you kind of look at the IndyCar season, those 90 days are in the Midwest or most of the Midwestern communities is where we race, where it happens to be warm. And uh, in, in the spring, we normally race in the southeast. And in the fall, we normally race on the west coast. Hey, Dixon's done okay on the west coast. And he's done okay in Florida. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. I have no idea. Uh, I think it's a great observation. And I have a lot of respect for the observation. And I wish I had an answer. I don't. Wow. Um, um, I guess we'll just have to keep track of it. I think it's going to be warm in St. Pete. Is that an advantage? So I don't know. Should we just tell New Garden? Find out. Don't even show up. It's over. Apparently, (laughs) I think New Garden is going to show up and do really well. Uh, I think you know it's uh, it's a measure of uh, the teammates. It's a measure of the team itself, and it's a measure of of the drivers themselves and. it's not adversarial. It's more about uh, how good uh, Joseph, his teammates, and how good Scott and his teammates are, as well as the other teams. I, I, I think that's what we always see when we go racing. I don't think it'll be any different. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, I think, is at the front end of something that's going to be spectacular by the time he's Dixon, Dixon's age. And uh, there's no question about that. Uh, I like his demeanor. I, I like the fact that he doesn't get off center. I'm, I'm from a safe distance. I'm watching. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the fact that he has a lot of confidence in himself and the people that support him. And uh, I really like watching how he wins and how he races. What will stop him? Not this weekend, but what will stop him is something that none of us expect. Just like it does for other race drivers. So. Uh, the sky's the limit for him, and uh, uh, I think it'll be fun to watch his career. I can't tell you whether he is going to win the championship this weekend. I know that looking at the various championship scenarios, it is certainly going to be hard. But I can tell you one thing, whether he ends up becoming a three-time championship this weekend or not, I don't think there is anybody who questions whether he's going to become a three-timer, a four-timer, a five-timer. He has that kind of generational talent where you go, oh, yeah. And again, he's obviously paired with a fantastic team. Uh, they've already done, you know, he's done two championships uh, in the, the three full seasons he's competed for with uh, the team. This will be his fourth. But, yeah, uh, something special. I only wish... Either A, Dixie was five years younger, or who knows, maybe he'll just continue five years longer than most drivers. But I want to see this Dixon versus Newgarden thing just continue going because we are truly fortunate to have such amazing, amazing caliber of drivers uh, getting after it like this year after year. So we are pretty fortunate there. You know, one of the latter part of Jaime's question uh, would be remiss if I didn't ask. So if we move the temperature, the ambient aspect from Dixie's performances. Last couple rounds been a little bit 
different than say how the, uh, the year started, even the middle of the year, uh, whether it's some struggles in qualifying or some struggles for pace in a couple of the races. Is that anything you and the team, Mike, have been able to narrow down and say, here's a common thread? Or are those things that you're looking at saying, well, they're a bit random and there's no reason to expect any of those struggles to continue into St. Pete? Um, it's a fair question. Um, uh, we did, uh, I mean, people are going to say, you know, there's two ways to answer that question, Marshall. One is to say, yeah, we found something. (laughs) We're just not going to tell you what it is. Uh, or you can say, well, we're working on it. Um, we did find something actually, uh, that didn't come to light for us until, uh, uh, after Sunday at uh, Indianapolis, is it going to make a large difference? We'll find out. Um, I, I think that's a fair way to answer that question. Um, so we'll go to St. Pete and uh, work on uh, uh, racing between the fences there. That's a great call. Uh, stay between the fences. That's my strategy call. Uh, <laughs> let's see. A couple more here before we uh, bid farewell to the episode uh where should we go uh david jansen mike how would you rate marcus erickson's year and any insights as to whether he will be coming back next year ah uh we've gotten that i think (laughs) people continue to ask that question because they want to want to help us with the with the answer um, and I appreciate it very much. Uh, Marcus is an extremely talented race driver. Number one, uh, he's proven that this year to us. Um, uh, and he's a terrific teammate. Uh, his drive style and Scott Dixon's are very similar to each other. So that's been a, a large help to Scott this year and been a large help to Marcus this year, both because they've been able to compare information and it makes sense to them. Teammates, what they do is they read the racetrack for each other, but they don't often have the same setup. Uh, when you have ones whose setup characteristic is very similar, then it does help. So he's been a big help to us this year in terms of uh, what he's produced and uh, and been able to uh, rely uh, on information that's come back the other way to him. Um, in terms of his future, uh, we would very much like him to stay with us for next year. Um, and just like the question at the beginning of this, uh, podcast, uh, we'll work on the answer for that. Uh, once we're down the road with St. Petersburg, I thought you were going to say with this shit show and I wouldn't have disagreed, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, here we go. Uh, let's see. We get this one every now and then. Uh, and I always like throwing it in knowing that we have new listeners or new fans. IndyCar Mike this comes from uh, Kevin Frederico it says, Mike, I know it's been asked in the past, but uh, I'm one of those folks who would love to get into motorsports working on the team side. He says, my question is, how does an organization like Chip Ganassi Racing look for new talent, uh, whether it's mechanics, engineers, and so on? He says, is it a scouting process, say, on the road to Indy or sports cars? Do you even look down at the, the uh, original levels where folks get their starts, say, SCCA? Or do you have an in-house development program for talent? So uh, I know you, you've spoken on this before, Mike, but it seems like folks are curious whether they should knock on the door or uh, 
just try and do really good things on the grassroots level and hope that uh, your your secret talent scouts are uh, sending back reports. Well, I can just I'll just say this: uh, uh, we are always looking for uh, people who want to work in motor racing. Uh, that that either comes from people who already are that want to choose a different team, or are working as was uh, uh, said in the question, or or I think you said it, Marshall, about other levels or other. Par- kinds of motor racing in our building. We have a combination of people that went to tech schools, went to college, raced cars themselves, uh, worked for other race teams, worked in ladder programs, worked in drag racing, worked in fendered racing of some kind, whether it be sports car or stock car racing, uh, people who worked in two wheel racing, people who worked in other forms of four wheel racing, people who worked in off-road racing. We have a great combination of people, and what we always try to do is we, we always look at them in terms of experience, certainly, network recommendations, not necessarily the recommendations they put on their resume, <laughs> uh, um, and in their background, have they won somewhere? We don't want to teach them how to win. We just want them to, to, to fall into the system as people who know how to win. That That's important to us. Is it a requisite? Not necessarily, but it helps. Um, and then we find, I don't know what it is about our team, and probably, I, I, I think I'm probably speaking for some of the other large race teams, not just IndyCar racing teams. I think people are a little intimidated to ring the doorbell. Um, so if people are listening to this broadcast that want to ring the doorbell, please do it. Uh, we're always looking for people, uh, and it, then it's all about the matchup at the time. And that could be for any vocation in motorsports. Uh, we're happy to talk. We want to talk. And uh, I suppose I don't have to pay a racer now for the advertisement that I've just given. Uh, <laughs> oh, Fanner's going to be so mad at me. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, I, I've taken away that ad space. Uh or I didn't have to buy the ad space, but uh, uh, please contact us if you're interested. I, it's not a promise that we'll hire you, but it's certainly a promise that we'll talk to you. Look at that. If only I had known 30 whatever years ago, and I hadn't <laughs> won a damn thing. Uh, certainly wasn't deserving, but hey, uh, not a problem there. Let's see, a couple more here. Our pal Andy Merrick, he always sends in really You know, I, I was, let, let me say this. Uh, we have one great example. One, one, we have a lot of great examples, but one great example that we have in our building is Barry Wanzer. Ooh. He, he came through a friend who was working for us at the time that had worked in drag racing. And Barry worked for uh, Joe Amato. And uh, he, you know, he was one of those guys that, that uh, between the runs had to take an engine apart and put it back together. And uh, he wanted to make a change in his racing life. And uh, I met him at Nazareth, hired him, made a deal with him to come to work for us, and we put him in the transmission shop because there are more moving parts in a transmission than there are in an engine. Uh, So we thought that's a good place to start. He went in that shop as an apprentice working for somebody else in the transmission shop, and he's worked his way completely through, well, not completely through. There's a couple of cogs left in the system, I suppose, for him, but 
Uh, he's moved himself all the way to a senior, senior management position, and he's managed lots of different projects in different capacities along the way. A drag racer. That's so, so awesome. That, that's a really good example of what race teams do in IndyCar racing. They, they, take ta- they, they utilize talent and then take that talent and efficiently work within the system to improve the entire process. And uh, I think Barry's a great example of that. Joe Amato, IndyCar talent groomer. Huh? <laughs> I tell you what. Yeah, uh, and I met Joe Amato. Uh, I, I love drag racing, frankly. I love watching it on television. I don't get to go to many drag races. Sometimes I'll go with Snake. If I if I have an off weekend somewhere, he'll say, hey, you want to go? And I said, he says, hey, you want to go, man? And I said, absolutely. And uh, uh, But I met Joe, Joe Amato at a, at a function, I don't know, three or four years ago now. And I was brave enough to go up and introduce myself to him because <laughs> uh, he's like a hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I, and I thanked him very much for everything that he did to catapult uh, Barry toward us. <laughs> that is so awesome. Uh, let's see. Our pal, Andy Merrick says, Mike motorsports like life is so much about relationships. It says you've been at the center of so much. What are a couple of lessons you've learned about how to treat people and what are a couple of things you've learned not to do? <laughs> I think what you have to, what, what, what you need to do, and this probably carries forward in life, but what you need to do in your daytime occupation is you need to listen with open, your ears have to be open. You know, as, as some people say, were his ears painted on? <laughs> mm. uh, you have to listen to the people around you. You cannot, or you shouldn't, uh, be so stuck in the direction you're going uh, to where you create group think. And we're all guilty of that. So maybe that's, that's really what you have to remind yourself about every day. Uh, racing people, I think, are guilty of being checklist people. And by being a checklist person, you don't take the time to listen to someone who comes along with a better way of doing something or what would be a change of direction for the direction you, you know, you, you're, you're moving down the road and all of a sudden says, somebody says, Hey, wait a minute here. Look at that. And you don't take the time to do it. Um, so that's probably to my way of thinking the biggest, the, the biggest thing. And that's a continual challenge, uh, that you have to, you have to be so careful about and, uh, Everybody has to have that. That has to be built into the culture. Uh, what was the second part of that question? What are the things not to do? <laughs> what not to do might be exactly that also. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what the not to do is. Um, uh, just not taking people for granted. Never take anything for granted. Never take people for granted never take the situation for granted and never assume that it's going to be the same way two days in a row. Cause it's not going to be. And don't <laughs> it's, send, it's uh, just not going to be, <laughs> don't send your championship driver uh, down the, the road at Indy to pick up Taco Bell. I think that's the other one. We've, uh, uh, well, that Taco Bell is now for I, sale. If anybody wants to buy that um, and turn it into something else, they can, 
Uh, it's all I, oh, I drove by there the other day. It's all boarded up. So, oh, yeah. well, there we go. Uh, let's see. Why don't we go with uh, one of our final ones here? Uh, Louise Smith. Hey, Louise. Hope you're doing well. She's been going through a uh, uh, bit of a fight, uh, health fight right now. She says, Mike, please tell us any and everything about Jimmy Johnson coming to Chip Ganassi Racing. <laughs> we saw oh some. My God. Yeah, we saw some uh, new photos. I think on uh, Instagram here. I don't know, a couple days ago, whatever. Uh, and yeah, it seems like you can't get rid of good old Jimmy there. But um, obviously, you can't tell us everything. But how's the process coming along? Right uh, of of hopefully onboarding him to the team and such. Uh, what does that guy bring into the uh, to the party already? Just in uh, heck, I guess. We're not even done with this season. Well, Marshall, you know, us Californians stick together. We do. Uh, that's that's number one. Um, what does he bring? Um, you can tell, first of all, you can tell why he has done what he's done with his career by being around him. Um, it's very apparent that uh, he is very, very not curious, but very motivated about all the small things it takes to be a better race driver at his age as a race driver, you know, and I don't want to make him sound like he's an older person, but he's not jaded in any way whatsoever about making himself better. He, he, he's not assuming anything. Uh, he, he has a very open mind, uh, about, uh, driving a race car. Um, and, not afraid to ask any question. Uh, as some people say, there's not, not a stupid question unless you, <laughs> unless you don't ask the question, then it becomes a bigger effort. You know, I, I'm amazed. Uh, he, he's not afraid to pick up the phone and call and ask questions. He's not afraid to send a text to ask a question. Uh, he's looking for advice all the time. He's looking in for advice, not only from his teammates, but for, from the people that, that uh, he's already been around in the building, the people that he worked with on the car when it ran at Indianapolis, uh, with the engineering group. Um, uh, very humble, uh, which is something from a distance you wouldn't know until you're with him on the inside. And, uh, um, you know, he'll hold the door open for you. He's one of those guys. And, uh, when you're lucky enough in your life to meet somebody like that, who's accomplished what he's had, what he has done and to realize that they remember where they came from. Louise, that's, uh, that's a good person. And, uh, you're following a great person there and, uh, uh, really excited to be around him. I love the fact, Mike, that after doing 400 cup races per year for the last 20 years, which I think would just, <laughs> leave every human being exhausted and wanting to sleep for the rest of their lives. Everything I've seen and read tells me he is so excited uh, about IndyCar and what the future holds there. Uh, normally you would hear folks saying, I'm going to take a year. I just need to, <laughs> I just need to sleep. And then I'll think about it. I love the fact that he is so fired up, even with his farewell season still in motion uh, the guy is just apparently all in for uh, 2021. So, 
and beyond. So I just, I love that aspect about what he's doing. Uh, let's see. All right. We're going to close here on a question that we have had, uh, come in a couple times. And I know you were on a call before this call about extreme E our pal, mm-hmm. John Richter says, Mike, win or lose at St. Pete. Hopefully Scott wins the title. How busy is your off season going to be between 2021 IndyCar prep along with prep for this new extreme E series? And also is curious, when might we hear some news about drivers and will you be attending the extreme E events? So for maybe IndyCar fans who don't know what extreme E is or the Chip Ganassi racing is one of the, uh, call it charter teams, the original teams to be involved. What is it? How busy are you going to be? When are we going to hear some news? And are you flying to these events as well? Uh, well, I, you know, and to answer the question, um, uh, micromanaging is not what we do at Chip Ganassi Racing. It takes a lot of people to make things happen. So there's a lot of uh, information flow going in, in very, very different directions, but they all culminate uh, with the projects we do. So because of my job title at Chip Ganassi Racing, and uh, we all kind of hate job titles because they're a bit restrictive, frankly. Um, uh, we put together a great group of people that support each other. Um, that's the political or the uh, the way to, that I suppose that's the PR way to answer the question. The reality is uh, we're working really, really hard on Extreme E. We think, the first of all, the messaging there is really, really important for the future uh, for electrification as well as climate change. Um, whether you agree or disagree with it, uh, um, our grandchildren will be happy that we're supporting it. Uh, we think it's really important. Um, and it's the direction that the manufacturers, the car manufacturer companies are going. So eventually it'll be there. Um, some form of it in motorsports, maybe not the purest form as, as you would think about, uh, about just electric power. Um, I'll try to, I'll try to go to, to as many of those races as I'm able to, certainly with COVID at the moment, uh, travel is a bit more restrictive. Um, so I don't know if I'll make the essential list <laughs> for every one of those races or not. Uh, the first race is scheduled to be in Saudi Arabia in March. Um, uh, so we'll see how that goes. There's an open test, uh, in December in Europe, uh, if I can go to that, I'll go to that. If I can meet the COVID re, uh, restrictions, if I can't, I probably won't go. We'll send our people. Uh, we get a car. The cars are going to be delivered uh, next week. Um, and uh, our car is being shipped to the United States to our building. So we'll have it in our building for two or three weeks. Work on it. We're planning to test in northern Nevada with that car. Um, so I'll probably go to that test. And then the car will be shipped back overseas for the first open test in December. Uh, so pretty active with the program. Looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to the fact that we have Sarah Price driving our car. Um, uh, we think that, that that's really, really a, a big step in the right direction for motorsports. Um, and certainly Kyle LaDuke, her counterpart, a guy who's won over 100 off-road races. Good He's Lord. no lightweight. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, no lightweight in that kind of motorsports. And being around him is no different than being around, like we talked about Jimmy a few minutes ago. Um, you can tell why he's won so many races. 
you can tell why Sarah's been so successful at what she's done. Um, and uh, so we're looking forward to that and the whole program. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's another form of motorsports. Uh, we feel it's important for us to be involved globally in motorsports if we can be. And this is a great global series. We represent uh, uh, American motor racing by being involved in the series globally. So I think that's a plus. Uh, uh, so we're looking forward to it. The next step is hopefully to have a manufacturer. We, we've been working on that for a while. Uh, we would love to have that. And uh, I think eventually we will. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of hard work. Been working pretty hard on it. Speaking of hard work, more for you and the team to do to get ready for this championship showdown this weekend. 100 laps on the streets of St. Petersburg on Sunday. We'll see if that thing, that un- undescribed thing that was found after the Indy Road course, uh, will be the thing, the catalyst <laughs> that puts Dixon on pole, leads every lap, wins a thing, who knows, whatever it is. Uh, I am very glad that we do actually still have a title to settle. We have a little bit of drama there. Heck, some of the biggest dramas this weekend, Mike, might be over that final leader circle contract. Yeah, so, uh, we're, so that's that's a whole story in itself, isn't it? We're going to be watching the front of the field, the back of the field. Uh, I don't know what's going on in the middle, but... Thanks, as always, for making some time, my friend. And, hey, we might be talking here very soon uh, if things end up going your way. I've always enjoyed street racing from the very first time I saw one at Long Beach uh, in 1970, whatever year that was, 75, 76, whatever, the Formula 5000 race. I really enjoyed it from the very beginning. Um, And uh, I've also kind of always looked at street racing is like when you go to your state fair or your county fair and you get in one of those cars that has the little thing that goes up to the ceiling and it's got electricity that comes down and there's sparks all over the place. Yes. And, Bumper and, cars. And the front wheels go back and you know, your, your steering is you're absolutely out of control and you're sliding everywhere. Uh, I've had dreams at night about that uh, with street racing. So that's, that's what we haven't talked about when we talked about new garden and we talked about Scott, and if you talk about anybody else, you might think that these drivers are trained professionals, <laughs> but the, the, the denominator is you're still street racing. Uh, so, uh, uh, we need to somehow or other, I wish we could have control over that, which we cannot, we cannot have control over everybody's actions. And, uh, they always say they're sorry afterwards, but, uh, that's, that's the reality of street racing that could play a large role in what we're doing let's just hope bumper cars aren't involved in settling (laughs) the championship this weekend Uh, exactly (laughs) and we get to see a straight up fight between the two remaining contenders and may the best uh, team win mike thanks as always sir and uh we'll speak here soon okay marshall thank you very much